0: This is episode number 187, Connection Between People and Profit with Christopher Lynn. Welcome, my name is Oleg Loheed, and this is the Overcoming Odds Podcast, where you get a glimpse into the stories of individuals who have overcome adversity, suffering, and struggle in achieving their personal success. This podcast was built by you and for you to help you overcome adversity, suffering, and struggle in achieving your fullest potential. Before we get into today's episode, I would like to make a few quick announcements. First one being an invitation to our upcoming call called Courageous. Conversations. This is something that we started a few months ago with the intention of bringing our community even closer, as well as creating a space for each and every single one of us to be able to not only better understand ourselves, but also those that are walking next to us. If you would like to know more details about any of these upcoming calls, please leave us a message through our website at overcomingodds.today. The second announcement that I would like to make is in regard to our upcoming event called Survive to Thrive, A Parent's Journey. This is an experience that we've been wanting to put together for a few months by now with the intention of creating a space for other parents to be able to come together and relate, as well as understand each and every single one of the journeys that they've been on, as well as the lessons and the takeaways that they've learned through the hardship including COVID-19 as well as some of the other circumstances if you'd like to know more details about this upcoming experience please visit our website at overcomingodds.today/events the last thing that I'd like to mention is if you have liked any of the previous episodes and continue to enjoy the content that we put out there please consider leaving us a review on iTunes, Facebook, or Google, so more people can hear these inspiring and courageous conversations. Now, let's get back to the show. Chris, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you, Ola. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Absolutely. Thank you for being a part of it. And I I believe I have to thank Sejal and the Facebook group that you and I are a part of. Yes. um, (laughs) (laughs) That that have crossed our paths. And you know, one one thing that I'll say about Sejal before we get into the episode is having met however many people by now, to me, she still is one of the handful of people that actually follows through on the things that she says she's going to do. And I think it's a very rare quality. And for the longest time, I didn't think it would be. But then <laughs> having the ability to connect with others, it has become a thing that... And I don't think it has anything to do with as well with people being, you know, right or wrong. It just, it just is people operate in their own ways, but she's very special when it comes to being able to say, Hey, I'm going to do this. And she actually does it.
1: Yeah. And she continually does it, does it right. And that that's Mm -hmm. what makes her even extra special is not just, Hey, you know, let me connect you with so-and-so and doing that. But then as she continues in her own life, she keeps thinking of others and finding connection points. So she's absolutely a super connector. It's amazing. Do you find
0: yourself following a similar path or is it more of, um, I don't know what the right word is, but like task oriented when it comes to making certain introductions for people, keeping certain people at top of mind, How, what personally works for you when it comes to that?
1: Yeah. When it comes to making connections um, for me, it's a little, you know, I'll be honest with myself. It's a little tougher for me to remember everyone. I mean, I I meet (laughs) so many people on a daily basis. It it also comes with the job that I'm in currently in recruiting. Like I just meet Mm -hmm. so many people every day. It's hard to keep track of everyone. So I have to actually put it on a, you know, I use my own personal CRM to (laughs) track everyone. Otherwise I'm going to lose track of people because especially, you know, as, as I help people find jobs, um, there's no way I'm going to memorize or remember the hundreds and thousands of people that I meet. So um, for me, it's just a matter of really keeping the people who make an impact in my life, top of mind all the time Mm -hmm. and connecting with those people and cultivating those relationships constantly.
0: So do you find yourself focusing just on a handful, 10, 20, like 50 people? And then do those people, do you rotate them out? every week, every month. So that way you get kind of like a new, I know it sounds, you know, very like machine oriented, but it kind of is the process. I mean, it's something I experienced myself as well. Having the ability to connect with so many people, they're just, when it comes to your bandwidth, at least my bandwidth over the course of a day, it's just not realistic for me to make 5,000 introductions.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I'm the same way. And, uh, you know, that's even with my own personal friends, like very, very close personal friends is, you know, I'll forget about them for a week or two and I'll be like, Oh my gosh, I haven't talked to them in a while. Let me just like send out a text message or give them a call. Right. It is we get consumed so quickly and so much, like our brains can only hold so much information. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's important too, is to uh, forgive ourselves and allow ourselves to, that way like you know yes we would love to connect with our best friends every day or our close professional connections every day or every week but things slip through the cracks like things happen and um just allow yourself to to do that and Mm -hmm. it'll be a lot less stressful (laughs) if you if you forgive yourself that way too
0: Yeah, that's what I've learned. And I've also realized that connection is just such an important aspect of life, not only when it comes to friendships, but even connection when it comes to the workplace that I know that's something that you're in and the topic that you and I wanted to explore. And that's really just this connection between people and profit and why certain companies choose to prioritize one over the other. And I think the best way that maybe we can start off this particular conversation is by creating a space where you can share, do you have any personal experiences, anything that kind of clicked for you or within your life where you felt that profits were becoming more of a priority than people like you that work within that organization? And if so, what was that like?
1: Yeah. um, You know, I think where we're currently at in the pandemic and where we, um, where we see ourselves with a lot of layoffs, a high unemployment rate, uh, you know, for example, I got, un- uh, I got laid off earlier this year. Um, and you look at, but what really started me on this path was um, in previous roles where organizations, companies would disregard people as people, right? It was, oh, this sector in our business is no longer Quote unquote profitable, or it's cheaper to do this function somewhere else. Um, and so I saw, unfortunately, uh, I was at a startup and I was one of the very first team members in this department. And then I grew out of it, but I was, I considered myself lucky because they ended up letting that entire department go um, about a year and a half into my tenure. And those were people that I learned with. Those were people I grew with. And uh, the reason they let them go was because they were like, oh, that, you know, it's cheaper to do this function in one of our other offices. Yeah. Right. And it's like, okay, like we understand that business side, but you're not treating your, the people that you, that help start your business um, with respect. You're not treating them and giving them opportunity to grow like how I had that opportunity to grow. So, what are you doing to take care of those people? And I've continually seen those instances, and especially now during the pandemic, where you have organizations who, uh, you have leadership who are saying, you know, we will take a like a ten percent or twenty percent pay cut for like a month, and then we'll take it back, and then lay a bunch of people off. Like those are conflicting values to me. Those those don't make sense. Where you have quite literally you know millionaires who can afford a pay cut and then you have people who are on minimum wage who like are relying on work and need to work um like 40 50 60 hour weeks um and they're overworked in that sense and then you say here you know what sorry it's not profitable for us to keep you and that is what hurts me that's what really irks me and uh that's what i'm i'm working to uh change the world
0: How do you draw that fine line or what is that fine line then between outsourcing and choosing to to keep it in-house because having been in business myself for however many years by now there for me you know it it for sure is a difficult decision without a doubt when it comes to let when it comes to letting someone go because certain operating budgets do not allow just literally if you look at the numbers they don't allow a role yep and so in that case I've always found it a challenge to be able to have that conversation, make that decision, because outsourcing does become not necessarily cheaper, but it's like the only option sometimes in order for an organization to survive with that role still being existent. How do what do you see as a fine line between the two?
1: Yeah, uh, you know, first is really looking at can you upskill your current employee base. I've worked. Uh, I've talked with a number of leaders um, around the world, and one in particular sticks out in my mind. Where he had the option of outsourcing U.S.-based employees' uh, work to India, and um, the of you know, with it being India and China, Asia, those Asian countries, they have a much lower cost, right, per employee to get the work done. Mm-hmm. So what they ended up doing was he created a program where he said, you know what, we are not going. We're going to minimize the impact that we have as a an organization and focus on upskilling our current workforce. That way, the ones here in the U.S. can do other jobs. They can do other things that are. Um, more going to make more of an impact and that require a bit more skill than if we were to outsource those roles. If that's an option, I would absolutely take that because there was, he actually did a cost analysis and there was a high or lower cost to upskilling your workforce than um, trying to hire those other positions somewhere else Mm -hmm. and, and then outsourcing. Mm -hmm. So if that is an option, that's absolutely the number one thing that I would focus on. And also being in, you know, from the talent development space, you know, you always want to be learning. So you always want to have growth be your first part of your strategy. Mm -hmm. If you, you know, and that not just as a business, but as your employee base, you want to focus on your employees growth because that will fuel the growth of the organization itself. From there, I mean, if you really have absolutely no choice, right? And I understand that those things happen. It's about being human about it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Can we can you be human and treat humans as or your employees as humans? Can you treat them with respect? Can you leave them their dignity at least? There's this terrible, you know, sense and and practice of let's rip the band-aid off and then just kind of boot people out the door. Mm-hmm because it's easier for the employer not for the employee right just because it makes you uncomfortable as an employer does not is not an excuse to treat people like crap Mm -hmm. so you we've got to focus on how do we make this easier for the people that we have to unfortunately let go right Mm -hmm. and And so it's important to uh, put that humanity back and being transparent on why those things are happening. Mm -hmm. And I think especially if you are transparent as an organization and you really show why things are not sustainable in the way that they're currently at or they are holding back the organization, people are a lot more accepting. They won't like it, but they will understand versus just being given the boot. Mm -hmm.
0: And I think that's probably one of the challenges, at least in my Opinion and my understanding of the time that we're living, because I've I've noticed that this concept of cancel culture has become very evident, <laughs> and in certain situations, it is like the go-to. I've experienced that multiple times when it comes to the speaking world, just literally being canceled for certain yeah. things, you know, and the, there's just no explanation, nothing. It's just like, hey, no longer need it. and. It didn't used to be like that. And I'm not advocating for necessarily going back to maybe the old ways because evolution is part of the journey. And so I think everything is not even necessarily meant to evolve, but it's going to evolve one way or another. But in that case, I also get curious, like, what is that healthy balance? And I think something that you pointed out as far as clear communication and just Not creating a narrative in my mind for how you're going to feel, but rather just telling it as is. And then from there, it's almost lifting the responsibility off of my shoulders and thinking that, oh, you may think X, Y, and Z, you may feel this way, because in reality, that is your journey to embark on, as well as it's my journey to be able to tell the truth when it comes to it.
1: Yeah, I mean... uh let's make this a personal thing, right. Is when you're in a relationship with someone, it, it can be, you know, platonic or um, romantic, whatever, mm-hmm. but um, I'm sure everyone has been lied to, right. Or has had a truth withhold from held from them. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, how does that make you feel? Like think about that and then apply it to the business sense, right. Is, yeah, you know, you don't want that betrayal to kind of happen. Um, And so it's really important to be clear. And I think that that's a big miss from a lot of organizations because they feel like, you know, we shouldn't share this information. It's too much information to share. It's going to make people nervous. But if people know what's happening, like people aren't dumb, like we're not stupid, like employees are not dumb. They know what's happening. You know, if again, with the pandemic, people knew that there was going to be some fallout from it. Yeah. And that very likely their organizations were going to be impacted in some way, um, whether it came to layoffs or not, or budget cuts, you know, it, it came in some form I and mean, people knew that was going to happen intuitively. And if you withhold that as a leadership group or as an organization and pretend like everything is fine, you're only fooling yourself and you're only going to hurt yourself down the line.
0: Mm-hmm. What are you personally focusing on right now? Because I know that you're relatively big on doubling down on your strengths. Rather than your weaknesses, what you know during COVID, this is the the time of the episode that we're having right now is during COVID nineteen. So in in this time, what what's your mindset? Where are you at with everything?
1: Yeah, for me, I'm really just focused on what I can do for others. Um, that's always been my passion. That's always been something I've focused on. Um, so. I started my own podcast really highlighting other leaders in the, in the area that do deliver a great employee experience that really do put people first. They really think about humans before they think about anything else. And that's ultimately what leadership is, right? Mm -hmm. We have this, there's this old school mentality of leadership should be about running a business. They should be about, you know, taking charge and getting work done. Whereas, Now we're really, we are seeing a shift towards leadership being about the humans and really being focused on people and right. That's the servant leader, Mm -hmm. but we're not all the way there yet. So I want to help other organizations get there. And I want to do that by showcasing different people in the world who are doing an excellent job at that.
0: Where did you learn what leadership or what good leadership
1: looked like? Yeah. Um, you know, I'll, I'll start back from when I was a kid because I, I like to give this context is I did not learn it or know it off the bat. Um, growing up, uh, p- people around me kind of always said, oh, Chris, you're a great leader. You're a great leader. You're going to like be a leader one day. It's like, okay, great. But like as a five, <laughs> six, seven-year-old, like do you know what that is? Like kids don't know what that is, right? And so like in my head, I think I had this um, uh that this privilege in my head, I had this um, uh, where I was like, Oh yes, like it's just going to be what it is. Right. And Mm -hmm. it didn't come until I was in an organization where I did not have the authoritative power of a, of a leader, what I thought was a leader. I did not have that managerial power. And my boss at the time, because I was trying to make things happen And I didn't even understand it when she shared it with me, but she said, Chris, leadership is not about power. It's not about a position. It's about influence. Mm -hmm. And that took me some time to understand what that meant. But ultimately, that's true, right? You don't have to have a managerial title to be a leader. You don't even need to necessarily have a team of people to be a leader. Mm -hmm. You just need to be able to influence those people in the direction that you want them to move, right? Do you have that vision and that emotional connection with that those individuals to make a difference? And you, know, you could use that power for good or bad, evil, right? <laughs> right? But if you have that ability to influence others and create an emotional connection with them, that is leadership.
0: I also think that considering the time that we're living in this concept of influence and leadership, it, it takes a different spin. <laughs> and that is, I even look at it from the concept of the presidency. And I think that role, it no longer has, at least for me, it no longer has the same image that it did eight years ago, 10 years ago. I think much of it has to do with the fact that social media has given a space and a platform for people to express, especially individuals who may not have had the ability to express their thoughts and their opinions and perspectives, so it's it's really interesting how all of these things have really redefined some of the fields, especially when it comes to thought leadership. I mean, when you think think about influence, I don't think there's really a restriction on who can who that can be anymore. You yeah. know, in two thousand four, before Facebook was a thing, that probably was very much focused on that one individual, whether it's the head of the company, head of the country or head of the group, whatever it may be. But now it's, I don't know if it's, I don't think it's the same. I think it's very different.
1: Yeah. And and good leaders allow others to rise up too, right? Mm -hmm. Whatever environment or structure you're in, if you can allow and highlight others to grow and showcase their own leadership, I mean, that, that to me is great leadership. And I agree with you. Social media does have, has changed our own perception of what leadership is, how it operates. Um, And so there's a lot of things that we are still learning about. And that's something else to keep in mind when we talk about leadership and, Mm. and growth in this time is, it's going to evolve, right? Leadership, again, like for me growing up, that completely shifted, right? And managers 20 years ago no longer operate, are are an outdated way of managing and leading others in today's today's world, especially as we move more towards a, or we're not moving towards, we are in a more data-centric period. There's data on everything and you can measure a leader's impact uh, in whatever space they're in. And so it's, it's important to know that this is changing and to have, to have a flexible, adaptable mindset in knowing that.
0: Mm-hmm. And something I believe in as well, that change is inevitable.
1: Mm-hmm. It's going to
0: happen with or without you. And so I think having this mindset of almost intentional learning is probably one of the bigger assets in this case, as well as having an open mind.
1: Yeah. I mean, having a growth, you know, having a growth mindset, a learning mindset is important now more than ever. Mm -hmm. We need to like, no one knows it all. Let's just admit it. Like (laughs) let's stop, let's stop pretending like everyone knows everything. Um, I will be the first to admit that, you know, I'm even though we might sound confident as individuals and as Mm -hmm. leaders, we need to be the first to admit that we don't know everything. There's much, much smarter people in the world who do what we do, study what we do. Um, that's something that I have found is that there are literally experts who do research in the fields of things like employee experience, um, diversity and inclusion, um, you know, workplace uh, organizational effectiveness. I'm by far not in that in that uh, right. world of research, but we need to know that we can constantly grow and learn new things. And that the thing that we learned yesterday may not be applicable today. Like yeah. It might not be true today. And um, we need to learn from every experience that we go through. That includes our successes as well as our failures. Something that I thought was really uh, interesting. Something I learned was, if you have a organization that's, uh, and I think most organizations operate this way, where you complete a project and the manager asks the employee, you know, oh well, what did you learn? And let's say that employee um, failed, right? They might have fifteen things that they learned. If you have that same manager, then go to an employee who is successful. Typically, you would say good job, keep doing that thing that you're doing, right? And all of a sudden that individual is gonna get stuck in this cycle of what they do really, really well. They might have other areas of interest, other areas, uh, other strengths that they may not be showcasing, but because they're constantly being told, good job in this spot keep doing what you're doing they don't end up actually end up growing so what you do is then you also ask those employees who are successful what did you learn in your success what could you still have done better or what what were some opportunities that you found or what is an area that you want to learn in next time or do next time and mm-hmm. that allows and continues that growth mindset so you do truly have a learning culture and you allow people to grow within the roles, whether or not they are successful or not. Mm-hmm.
0: I think one of the challenges for why such question may not get asked is because success, at least in my opinion, is viewed through this lens that it's completed work. It's kind of, you know, the end of the journey. I yep. mean, when, when you think about how, some of us in today's society choose to showcase our journey it's based on i call it the highlight reel you know it's <laughs> it's it's the it's the finished product mm-hmm. very rarely will you see an image of someone not having a good day or yep. being stressed out or being tired or having frustration because those things are not it once again in my opinion they're not acceptable or as acceptable as the opposite of those. And so I think that's where this question, I wholeheartedly agree with you. It's, it's a very critical question to ask regardless, regardless of where the person is along the journey. Because as you said earlier, the learning doesn't stop. <laughs> there is no end, end point to it. Let's face it. Whatever the age, whatever the milestone you achieve, there's always going to be more. There's always going to be more opportunities to improve. There's always going to be more opportunities to learn things that you may not have known before. And so I think it really just boils, at least the way that I perceive it, it boils down to establishing your own sense of accountability and responsibility, where you can continue to ask those questions, regardless of where that person may be along that journey. Even in situations where they've exceeded all of your expectations, just know that there's a layer beyond that.
1: Yeah, um, you know, I'll I'll give another example. Um, I manage one individual... Um, and I, and I say manage and I won't say lead because I I do feel, I reflect on, or I think about this guy all the time. His name is Trent. Um, he was really, really good in one area of his job. Mm -hmm. And because he was really good at it. Um, I always pushed that task onto him all the time. Every time it came up, I was like, Hey, Trent, like, here you go. Like, you're really good at this. Go do that thing. And, um, he told me, you know, about a month in he was like, Chris, I I'm good at that, but I don't like doing it. Like, hmm. and there's a difference to know between strengths and passion, right. Is, you know, we, we, as managers tend to look at strengths as, as leaders of our team and we say okay like here's a, here's the puzzle here's the puzzle pieces of our team and let's put them together and maximize strengths but are those strengths things that your your team wants to do are those areas where your team wants to grow in yeah right um and especially as we start looking at you know that that's just not how the way the world works. <laughs> like, like you're not going to be able to find a that puzzle is not going to stay a perfect puzzle all the time. Correct. You know, for one project, it might be one way for another project it might be another way. And again, as we look at a growth mindset, people on your team or people around you are going to want to do different things. They're going to want to explore different things. So you'll have to allow that shift to happen. You have to allow people to change the shape of a puzzle piece that they are because they might Uh want to fit in a different area.
0: Yeah. Chris, what's the best way that people can connect with you? Do you have anything that's coming up as part of your work that people can be a part of?
1: Yeah. Thanks for asking. Uh, I, uh, like I mentioned before, I have a podcast. It's the leading people first podcast. You can find it anywhere uh, you get podcasts. Um, and we're also on Instagram at, uh, leading people first, and you can follow my personal account on Instagram lead with Chris Um, again, on Instagram or also on LinkedIn.
0: Thank you all for listening to today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. If you haven't done so already, consider subscribing to our podcast so you can receive all of the latest content as well as all of the upcoming episodes. Also, if you like what you heard on any of the previous episodes, consider leaving us a review on iTunes, Facebook, or Google so more people can hear these inspiring conversations. Once again, we thank you for listening and we look forward to having you next week.